We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's your first time here or whether you listen every single episode. So glad to have you with us. So glad to have the franchise in Ring of Honor, Jay Lethal, with us. This was such a fun conversation, like right out of the gate. I feel like I'm now best friends with Jay Lethal. And I feel like everybody should be best friends with Jay Lethal. What a guy. Give him a follow on social media. He's at the Jay Lethal on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Chris Van Vliet, also on both Instagram and Twitter. And I'm closing in on 100,000 followers on Instagram. So if you have Instagram and you don't follow me yet, it would be so great to connect with you on there. And I love these reviews we've been getting on Apple Podcasts. I love that we're reading one on every single episode again. I put a poll out on Twitter a few weeks ago and I said... Should we bring the reviews back? Because you guys were so helpful in getting us to 2,000 reviews. We're well over 2,000 reviews now, which was the goal, right? The goal was 2,000 reviews by my birthday, May 19th. We did it all because of you. And I put a poll on Twitter and I said, should we bring them back? And you guys like resoundingly said, yeah, of course. We want a shout out. So they're back. And this one is from Joseph in Asheville, North Carolina, who says, on another level. Chris's podcast is something that I look forward to because it gets me through the workday. I'm a delivery driver, and I get to hear all of his podcasts. They get me through the day. But more importantly, there are many times when I listen that I'm inspired by Chris and his guests. Listen to this podcast. It's a good way to hear the deep information of the world of wrestling that we all crave. My favorite part of the show is hearing Chris ask his, his guests what they're grateful for. It's a great way to end the show, and it makes me think about all the great things that I'm grateful for. And being grateful and focusing on those things can change my outlook on life when things maybe aren't going so well. Thank you, Chris. Keep up the good work. Joseph from Asheville, North Carolina. Well, thank you, Joseph. I appreciate you listening to every single episode. And thank you so much for taking the time to leave such a kind and thoughtful review. And I love that you're focusing on the things you're grateful for in your life. I can tell you I'm grateful for you. And I am super grateful for my guest today. So let's dive right into this. Please welcome the franchise, Jay Lethal. 
Oh and man, it. this is happening. Jay Lethal, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what's up? <laughs> why, why are we giggling? What's going on here? Oh man, we're giggling because I wish that uh I wish that we hit the record button sooner because I was so like hypnotized by your that whole shelf behind you. And I wish that we caught that on camera, but I should uh, I should we'll have just, just have to tell you guys about it. The second the zoom meeting opened, <laughs> I should have just hit record. But look at all the things behind you. Like this is this oh, is that, like, uh, you know, these are things that they they uh, my gear lady made those those things behind you uh she can't make those ah somebody made these i'm sure <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> okay so this here is uh my gear this is where i put all my gear by the way i hang it up in this closet area um let's see if Love i can it. get my finger work this is a ring of honor jacket this is a robe that she just made for me gear here um boots this here is uh, a poster. The UFC company decided to work with Impact Wrestling when I was there. This yeah. was a tester, and then they, you know, they didn't like it, so then they stopped. So that, and I got this one here from my for my birthday. Uh, my best friend got this picture of me putting Ric Flair in the figure four. <laughs> uh, he painted, got it painted, but uh, that should be a much larger image. You putting Ric Flair, uh, in the figure four. yeah, you're. Be- that should sure. be an entire mural in your house. <laughs> sure, you're right. Yeah, I think I'm gonna t- t- tell my best friend you made a mistake. You know, it's, yeah, be like it was to be bigger. It was a nice gesture, but right, uh, the thought, the thought was nice, but bigger. but that's where it ends. <laughs> Look, I don't have a gear lady making me things. You could, and I'm sure it'd be cheaper if if w- with those uh the Emmys those here? things you got those things you got behind it man that's in that is incredible you got four of them ah thank you that's very kind you know i'm not a oh four- my god and you've got the lamp you've got the leg oh, lamp wow you've you're got a leg person. lamp i'm gonna grab what? you're the first person who's noticed it's very okay. fragile by the way yeah. oh okay so there is a big discussion in my family on whether or not he said fragilely but the f was cut off so there's no worries or he said radially because the f was cut off so all he saw was the r hmm. so it was impossible for him to read the f but there's a big debate in my family on whether or not he says fragilely or radial if the f was there we think he would have said fragile but i think he couldn't see the f if you go back and watch it the f is cut off of the box huh. So I think it's radially. I must be wow. Italian. Must well, it sounds Italian. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've got leg lamp. Well, I lived oh, in man. I lived in Cleveland for five years. That was the first American city that I lived in. And the Christmas story house is in Cleveland. Yes. So they do a lot of things in Cleveland surrounding a Christmas story and the Christmas story house, which has been turned into like a museum now. I, are we becoming best friends? It's we we are best. Friends. It's the scene in Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Yep. I'm so pumped to have you on the show. I've been trying. I've been talking to Ring of Honor for like a year to make this happen, and here we are. Okay, so uh, you know, I 
I feel like I just want to talk to you about everything other than Ring of Honor right now, especially <laughs> since I said a line and you knew where it was from. Me, my brother, and select few wrestlers have, I want to play my ringtone for you, and I want to know if you know where it's from. Oh, my goodness. But I didn't realize this that, was a I trivia game. disappear for like three seconds. Okay. Would you mind? And like Please. people are watching. This is live oh here, guys. This what? is live. <laughs> What could and as Jay Lethal sprints off, what could this ringtone possibly be? Because that was less you, than three seconds. You seem like someone who, man, all of my friends. If you give them a line, they're like, "Oh, that's from this movie. That's from the this." The pressure movie. is on now. If I don't get this, I the, the interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're gonna get it. Maybe. Okay, mm. you ready? Mm -hmm. Here we go. I don't know if you can hear I don't, it. I, what is it? It's from Beetlejuice. Oh! It's from Beetlejuice. Hey, I haven't seen Beetlejuice since I was like six. Ah, okay. No worries. No worries. Well, but I would have got that. I, I, I hope I didn't disappoint you too much. You didn't. You didn't. Oh, it's a my tough goodness. Because in the Beetlejuice movie, it's only in the movie for like 10 to 15 seconds. You don't, you don't get a lot of it. So like some people have no idea. But some people they go right away. That's Beetlejuice. And that was a deep cut. Was. That's what oh, that was. All right. Very Man, deep okay. cut. So, so, My goodness. So, sorry. We're just taking this everywhere but wrestling. No, no, who who needs to talk about wrestling? There's more to life than wrestling, right? <laughs> what have you been what has been keeping you busy over the last 15 months? Because it hasn't been a ton of wrestling. It hasn't been. Twitch. Twitch. I mm -hmm. I uh, I've fallen into the Twitch. Uh, I stream uh, on Twitch, video game, anything on Twitch. Yeah, Minecraft, um, right? I don't. I'm not a big fan of Minecraft. I just threw that out there. Okay, okay. <laughs> I saw you. You were on a Minecraft stream, though, I believe. Was I? I don't know. Like you, some, like someone made me. No, no. I saw. I was on your Twitter, and someone had tagged you, and you retweeted it. I was Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana said, "Join us, among us." Among then, Us, yes. Among Us, yes. Oh, Among Us, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Among yeah. Us. Among Us, great game. Have you ever played Among Us? I played with my nephews who are twins and they're 10 and they okay. were teaching me everything and I kept saying sus. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a great word. Great sus. word. Great game of deceit, you know. Uh, you know, there's probably about 10 people. One of them is the imposter. You got to figure out who it is. Yeah. Great game. Great game. Good easy to pass the time so what's um, the go-to game for you right now it's something called fall guys mm. a game called fall guys very easy to play hard to master that's the best the best games are super easy to get but it's just hard to become really really good at them those yeah. are the well, best yeah well how difficult is it for you when your world is wrestling for you know almost 20 years and okay. then er, it comes to a screeching halt so here's the thing uh, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one in the wrestling business, but <laughs> I really, I really put all of my eggs in the wrestling basket. Sure. I didn't divvy my eggs up. I didn't have a backup plan. There's no plan B for me. If it's, it's wrestling or it's nothing. Uh, and I hope that it's nothing because I don't want to live on the street. But uh, so because all my eggs were in the wrestling basket, there was sheer panic in my mm. life. I was terrified because this pandemic had the ability to end wrestling 
for a foreseeable future. Yeah. Not just one particular company, but wrestling everywhere. So uh, I was terrified. Terrified. That's an understatement. Uh, and then uh, slowly but surely, having these shows with no fans became a thing. Yeah. Which, I mean, only a wrestler would fully grasp this, but wrestling hurts. <laughs> no matter what they tell you, um, and no matter how long you've trained and how long you've done this, it hurts. And the, re the way we get around that is, believe it or not, the fans give you this boost of adrenaline. Un adrenaline is the most powerful drug in the world. In fact, depending on uh, what shows you watch, like Dark Side of the Ring, other wrestlers go through great lengths to find another drug like adrenaline, but there there's no match for it, okay? Yeah. You are invincible in the ring, and then wrestling no longer hurts until you're back in your hotel room, and then you're like, oh, man, that thing. But there's nothing like it. So when the fans are there, you, you're like, I can do this forever. This like, But when they're not there, you realize exactly what you're putting your body through, and it is not fun. Mm. But here's the thing. Chris, because I put all my eggs in the wrestling basket, I, you know, whether there's zero fans or a hundred, I gotta be wrestling. Cause it's what, you know, I was, I just positioned my life in a way where it's wrestling or it's nothing. So whether yeah. there's zero fans or a hundred or thousands, I gotta be wrestling. So I'm fine with doing it either way, whether it hurts or not, but it's just easier when there's people there. And luckily <laughs> people are coming back. It's, I feel like it's Christmas coming up. I mean, it's July 11th. It's right around the corner here. Best of the world. Crowds are coming back. Chris, I can remember Christmas Eve. I couldn't even sleep because I was so excited about what was going to be happening. You know, get the open presents and all oh, the joy. Uh, that same feeling, I swear, is the way that I'm, I can only describe the feeling of knowing that fans are going to be back. Mm. Rustling's not going to hurt. Uh, <laughs> and I get to perform in front of people. It's just, it's, Man, I can't tell you how excited I am. Did did COVID give you some perspective? If all your eggs were in the wrestling basket, did it give you some perspective to go, man, what do I do when I can't wrestle anymore? It did. It did. Um, and I've struggled to think of other things that I could possibly do. I've got one or two things working in the background that I, I'm not going to mention. But yeah, it, it definitely opened my eyes especially when I thought there was a chance that this COVID could end wrestling as we know it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Just sheer panic in my, yeah. in my life. Every wrestler had to be panicking. Well, this is the thing that happens, not just in wrestling. This happens with all athletes across all sports where you're, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, 21, trying to make it, trying to, you know, make a name for yourself and you don't think about, all right, well, what am I going to do when I'm 32 or 37 or 42? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you might have had a great run, but that's only a small little slice of your life. Correct. Correct. Um, and, you know, we don't want to think about it because yeah. that makes it real. You know, it's like in wrestling, we get to make up this world. We go through the curtain and we get to control everything that happens once we get through that curtain. You know, if if in if in life you were this guy who got bullied and pushed around, when you go through that curtain, you're the macho man. You know what I mean? Like, so to think quite about literally those things, for you, yeah, brother, yeah, quite, <laughs> where are my glasses? Oh, here they oh, are. Oh, man. <laughs> I put my gla glasses oh, on. Oh, put them on. What are we waiting for? 
Come on. Yeah, why why have you been doing this? Why have you been doing this the whole time without those put glasses on? Where's my I, I don't want to talk to you anymore unless you got those glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little side note, you know, I just every, this keeps going everywhere but wrestling, but uh well, that's I the feel, whole point. Yeah. You know, I uh every time I see any image of me doing the macho man because he'd always do show his teeth a lot yeah, yeah. and uh, all the images i have i have this gap here but i got invisalign and i'm getting the gap closed look it's oh, all your teeth look if you, perfect look at if those you go back and look at all the pictures i got this big gap in my teeth yeah and i think i was the only one who cared because i asked several of my friends should i i'm thinking about no don't do it blah 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 but it's all i would see when i look in the mirror you know that's all that matters that's all that <laughs> All that matters oh, yeah. is, so, are yeah. you happy when you look in the mirror? <laughs> right. So now I'm going to show my teeth any chance I get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a fellow Invisalign wearer. Oh, no way. Well, I had braces when I was 16 until I was 18. And, okay. you, know, I, you know, I wore my retainer and everything, but your teeth still shift a little bit. So. Yeah. I wore, I only wore them for like nine weeks. I had Invisalign uh, for like nine weeks and just straightened out a couple little things. I would have loved to have had braces, but uh, unfortunately my parents had six kids. My dad was the only one working. It was literally like, oh, your teeth hurt? Well, you're fine. Go, go, get on. You know what I mean? Oh, there's pain you in your have, teeth. You have five siblings? I do. And they always make the joke, my parents must not have had a television. Uh, <laughs> where were you oldest youngest in the middle i share the middle i share the middle with uh my older brother so you so do you feel like maybe you had middle child syndrome because that's a thing that's very much a thing i uh no i don't feel like that i don't um and i i actually feel bad for people who don't have a big family so many of my friends are only childs like we had family movie night and family bowling night we'd sit at the table play cards you had built-in friends when you couldn't go out you, you mean like to not have that i couldn't yeah. imagine it i couldn't imagine it i just had one sister so i, I don't i don't know just an older uh, sister were, were you guys close not really if i'm being Not completely really. honest oh, man. Man. four years older than me and when you're a kid four years is like an eternity yes it, it is. Yeah. trust me trust me it i'm is. you know i'm eight and she's 12 i don't know what she's you know i don't know what's going on <laughs> in her life i don't really care either well getting into the wrestling business i you know my brothers and my family loved wrestling i wish that i could have gotten into the wrestling business with my younger brother and we could have been a tag team but uh he liked basketball more um, it's probably better for his body anyway. <laughs> but I'm sure you were in other sports as well. It wasn't just wrestling, was it? Just wrestling. Wow. The only so other, when, you're, when your you little brother's know, playing basketball, you're not playing against him? So everybody, I feel like even my sisters, but that's just a joke. But all the boys came before me, played football, and it was just assumed that I was going to play football. I remember... Once I got to high school, the coach walking past me in the hallway go, hey, practice is such and such. I go, whoa, no, nobody even asked me. Um, I wasn't a big sports fan, especially since uh, my brothers were so good. I never won anything. <laughs> even when it came to sports video games, they were just so like sports wasn't my thing. I played the saxophone. I played the uh, saxophone for about 10 years. So wow. when the coach, that year it was not so fun for me because when the coach found out that I was going to be on the field 
but not in a uniform, not in a football uniform, but <laughs> in a marching band uniform. He was not happy. Mm. Um, and he would make snide comments, but it, it didn't last too long. But yeah, I just, uh, sports was not a big thing for me, believe it or not. I, I joined the wrestling team and I was only on the wrestling team for like half the year because it wasn't the wrestling that I <laughs> thought it was. I grew up... You know, Macho Man Randy Savage, I want to be like him. There were so many rules, amateur wrestling. Like, when you got the guy on the ground, you're not allowed to lock your hands. Like, am I not yeah, trying you, to pin this guy? Like, what, what, what's You can on? only, like, with you can only do moves with one arm. Like, a full Nelson is illegal. In, yes, uh, yeah. I was yeah. like, this is not what I signed up for. So that didn't last long. And I, I stuck with the music for a long time until I realized that wrestle, I had a chance to wrestle. I, I went to a wrestling show with my buddies. It's a little small-time show. And uh, at intermission, they said, oh, we're going to have a contest. And whoever wins the contest, we're going to train you to be a wrestler for free. And I won the contest. What was the contest? Uh, they brought you in, and the whole day they showed you four things in the wrestling ring okay. and whoever did those four things the best they would pick three winners and if you were one of the winners they'd train you to be a wrestler for free they, they showed you how to run and hit the ropes okay they showed you how to take a fall land on the ground uh there was like a i think there was a jumping one or who had the best endurance or whatever and then there was a promo one where you had to cut a promo and uh i remember i was only 16 so when no i was 15 I was 16, turning 16. And at the end, they picked three winners. I wasn't even one of the winners. So I remember my dad took off work to take me to this. And he sat in the back the whole time. I'm thinking, I didn't even win. I got to walk back over to my dad. He took off work. And so before, right before I got to my dad, they made another announcement. They said, you know, we weren't going to do this because he's so young. But we're going to make an exception and add a fourth winner. And, and it was me. I couldn't believe it. Wow. It's pretty much the story of my whole wrestling career. It's just one lucky win after another. I feel like my whole wrestling career can be, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the movie. You know, I won the golden ticket. Yeah. I got the Chocolate Factory. But, I mean, yes, part of it is luck, but it's also a lot of, like, hard work and determination and right sure, place, but right time. People don't, people don't want to look at that, the hard work. They don't realize that, that that's not, it doesn't suit their story. They're just like, yeah. this guy won a contest. He got lucky. Sure, at, you know, you got to have the skills and everything to back it up when the time is right. But I do attribute most of I, I am a pretty lucky guy. I, I, I am. Right. But, but just because you won a contest and got free training doesn't mean you have this great run in Impact Wrestling and a great run in Ring of Honor. This is true. Because what, what isn't discussed too much is after six months, that training school closed down. So then I had to go pay and search for other training because my training wasn't complete. So then, you know, I still went through all the things that people uh, go through when they actually pay because I did have to pay for additional training because, so, but they don't care about that. that they, they just, uh, the, the story, the silver lining that, that, you know, that headline is it's, uh, he won the contest. He trained for free. Was the promo that you cut a macho man, Randy Savage promo? It was not. It oh. was not. I, you want to know what I think helped me was I think I was the most most athletic one there. I really think so. From all the years of not playing football. <laughs> From all the years, I wasn't. No injuries or anything. 
<laughs> and you know another wild thing is for so four people won i'm the only one wrestling today wow yeah those four people stopped wrestling about two years after maybe two three years after they had won I think there's a there's a lot of people and you can certainly relate to this. There's a lot of people who say they want to be a wrestler and even yes. go so far as getting trained. Yes. And I think for a lot of people just going to wrestling school, just being able to say to their friends and family, I go to wrestling school. I think that's a, that's enough for a lot of people. It has to be. So I'm a trainer. I train people on how to become a professional wrestler. I have a school in Tampa. Yeah. And uh, some Plug it, by the way, because there's going to be people watching this that okay. want to train with you. I have a wrestling school in Tampa, Florida. We It's called the Wrestle Factory. Um, I'm sorry. It's called the Wrestling Laboratory, not Factory. Sorry. <laughs> Wrestle Lab for sure. Wrestle Laboratory. Factory. That's I, what I can't going. believe I said that, man. Well, anyway, getting, uh, getting to uh, my point, uh, there's so many people who join the wrestling business because they want to make it to the wwe yeah which is it's so tough like some of them i have to explain you have to be okay with knowing that you'll go through all of this training all this hard work this hurts it doesn't feel good you're going to leave here your neck is sore you've got to be okay with knowing that after all this work you only get one match in front of like 10 people if that is okay with you then the wrestling business will work but if you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you're like yeah i'm going to make it to wwe because it's there's no way to guarantee that and then if you do all this work and you don't make it there mm -hmm. then it's human nature to look for a reason why it didn't happen mm -hmm. instead of it just you know it wasn't in the cards mm -hmm. and then you know, the worst thing would be, oh, I didn't make it there because of your training. What didn't you show me that was, whoa, like, no. you know what? I, that's never happened, but okay. I'm, I'm terrified that it will someday. You know what I mean? No, it's clearly all on them. That's how wrestling, <laughs> works. wrestling is not a team, you know, well, sport. It's, it's human nature to, you need someone to point out and go, that is why that didn't happen. Sure. And that's just, that's just natural. But I mean, the sooner you can get over that the better wrestling will be for you at what age did you determine i am going to be a pro wrestler when i grow up i think it was always there my oldest brother got hurt in the living room with my grandpa wrestling um i can remember in school all of my reports anytime you got to pick the topic it was wrestling in middle school i remember going to lunch and i didn't even eat me and my buddies would bring our wrestling magazines. We'd never go up to get food sometimes. We'd sit there in the table. Oh, did you see Monday Night Raw? Did you see this? I think in those moments, I already knew that it would be tough to pursue it, but that was my ultimate dream. Um, somewhere along the way, my back plan was going to be being a carpenter like my dad, because sometimes I'd go to work with him, help him, and I had my own tool set. But I think that the moment that I realized okay wrestling is the that's it's full steam ahead is when i went to that show with my buddies and they said we're going to be hosting this contest yeah. in a few weeks and if you win it we'll train you for free there was never a second there was never a doubt in my head that i would wouldn't win this contest i knew for a fact that i would win it and this would be my big so like from that moment on is when i knew i'd be a wrestler Wow. It was always a thing in my head. I, I like this is going to be my dream. I did start developing a back plan, like trying to be a carpenter. But the moment that happened, I was still in middle school. I was about to go into high school. Yeah. 
so yeah that was that was the thing that was it and i remember my mom when i came home to tell my parents i remember they sat in the living room my mom's face didn't seem she seemed like she wanted to say no um but my dad who loved wrestling i remember his face like i almost remember him like nodding um <laughs> And my mom's whole thing was, of course, they don't want to see their babies get hurt, you know? Sure. But uh, never once did they say no to me. Never once. My, my parents were, like, super supportive. My brother wanted to be a rapper, and they were fully behind that. And, like, they, no matter what you, as long as you had something that you wanted to do, they would support you. Yeah. Um, so they never told me no, even though I think my mom did want to say no. But I, I, I remember their faces. My mom looked like she wanted to say no. Well, I don't think it's any mom's like favorite day when their <laughs> son or daughter says to them, I'm going to be a pro wrestler, mom. You're like, are you uh, sure? Right, right, right. <laughs> and you know what's wild is, you know, if I ever get to a point where I have kids and they come up to me and they say, I want to be a wrestler. Shockingly, it's not going to be a yes. I'm so proud. I think it's going to be same like my mom. Are you sure that's what you want to do? That's not uncommon, though, when you've had a career in pro wrestling. Like, I'll talk to a lot of second or third generation stars, and their parents are like, like, I just had Ted DiBiase on recently, Ted DiBiase Jr. on recently, or Austin Gunn. And the parents are like, you really want to follow in these footsteps? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's mm -hmm. a tough life. As you know, it's a tough life. You want to know why? Okay, so here's my reasons why I would tell my kid, are you sure you want to do that? There's two reasons. One... Uh, I'm already a wrestler. So any second generation, you automatically compared yep. to your mom or your dad automatically. So right away, you're automatically not getting a fair shake because you're just instantly compared. That can be a blessing or a curse. It can get the doors open for you or it could not. Uh, and the other reason is, and it's the saddest reason, you know, there is a checklist in wrestling of all the things you need, right? You got to have a great body. You got to be able to talk. You got to have charisma. You got to be able to wrestle. You got to, you can't be too short. You got to be the perfect height. You got to be kind to others. But all this, all this stuff, yeah, yeah. you can, you can get all of those checks. You can have all of those things and still never make it. It's wild. There's yeah. like, this is just one, you got to be lucky. So yeah. to have a son or daughter just gear their whole life towards this thing where at the end of the day you really do need luck it's just it's man i i, I would just try to persuade them not to not too hard if they wanted to do it i would be okay but like i said you can have everything you need and still not make it which is the wild thing but it's also what do you determine to be success you know for some people it's working a few indie matches for some mm -hmm. people it's main event at wrestlemania or nothing right and that those people get shot in the foot yeah right you, you you're oh man because when you don't reach that you never feel like it panned out for you yeah which is wild which is wild i got I mean, I mean if i couldn't wrestle tomorrow i've had the greatest career that anybody could ever have i feel i got an action figure i traveled the world i went to another country and people wanted to meet me like you've made it i was in a video game i mean I got to meet my idol. I've worked with them on pay-per-view. Like I made it. So, uh, yeah, there's that. It's I mean, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I would imagine for you as a kid growing up I and mean, you've had an amazing career. 
WWE was probably a goal for you. Was there ever interest from them? So uh, I think working for the WWF or WWE for most of the people from my generation, that's why you got into wrestling. Of course. And not just, you know, that is why you got into the wrestling. Most of us along the way, your goals kind of change and you realize there's other things besides the WWE or for me, it was, I can make a living and not have to go to WWE. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't even know that that was possible. It wasn't thank God it is now, but I mean, um, so uh, there was a few times there was a little interest, but you know, because of contracts here and there, it was never like a thing that I could pursue. Um, And uh, you know, part of me thinks that it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I got to be, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't know what would have happened, but I became the face of a company known around the world for its wrestling. I was a world champion. Yep. I, I, in Ring of Honor, it's like you worked so hard and you got that big promotion and you got that corner office looking out over the water. Like, I got that promotion. Who, who knows what would have happened over there? Um, and now that I have that promotion, why do you leave that, give that up to go try to, you, you know, like I'm going to, I might as well have a big ring of honor tattoo on my back. Cause I'm going to be there till I die. Yeah. You're the guy. Like when people think of ring of honor, they think of Jay lethal and in wrestling, every wrestler is a dream scenario for them. Yeah. And you can get that on some of the smaller indie shows, but it won't pay the bills. I have gotten that. And I'm at a show that financially pays my bills yeah. So it's a dream scenario. Like I have won the lottery. I yeah. I've got the chocolate factory. <laughs> At what point in your Ring of Honor run did you really start to bring that on? Did you bring it on yourself, or did they bring it on you? Where you went? Yeah, I am going to be the franchise. Uh, that's a good question. I feel like it was more so brought on on to me. Um, that's a great question. Yeah, I feel like it was more so brought on to me. Yeah, in and fact, they- one day they, I remember just hearing one day they was started calling me the franchise, and right away because I'm such a wrestling historian, I'm Douglas. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like he is not gonna like that. So I would have <laughs> never come up with that on my own. Um, but yeah, this was it was something that was brought brought on to me from Ring of Honor. And even in the locker room, because and like I hate anyone to refer to me as a veteran or like, oh, man, you're like the nah, man, we're all on the same playing field. We're trying to make this company and ourselves as big as possible. Yeah. So uh, but in the locker room, a lot of people call me captain. And uh, I just think it's just if they all had the vote, they'd be like, yeah, he should be the guy. Or like, ah, oh, if we had a, to come together and make who who would speak for us, it's probably him. I've been told that by so many of them, and I'm like, oh no, like I don't, that, that's not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it it's definitely not something that I said. Yeah, I'm the franchise. Like, yeah, this is like, you know. But I mean, when you think about locker room leaders in other companies, you think about like everyone always talks about the undertaker, you know, who's yes. in his fifties, you know, you at this point, when you're being deemed the leader or the captain or the franchise, you're in your early thirties at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And which is wild too, to think about me being in my thirties. I remember when, 
It feels like just last week or two weeks ago, I could always say that I was the youngest person on the roster. In fact, mm. when I got to Impact Wrestling, I couldn't even rent a car. I was so young. Uh, and now to hear that I'm 30-something, it's like, oh, man, time really does fly. Yeah. And like, if you don't live in those moments, if you're too focused on something else, these things just go by and you know, don't get to appreciate them. Um, I feel like I've appreciated them, but I really don't feel like I have fully grasped everything that I've gotten to do yet. I think when it does hit me, my brain's going to explode and then I'll be dead. So that's <laughs> that's kind of been one of the silver linings of COVID is we've all had a chance to pause, mm -hmm. especially in the world that you live in and the business that you work in. You're city to city every single week. How could you possibly slow down and appreciate what you're doing when right. it's hotels and airports every single week? <laughs> and right. COVID has been this great pause where you've been able to go, huh, I have a painting of me putting Ric Flair in the figure four. How is this my life? Right, right, right. Oh, man, that's that's hilarious. I mean, so, it's, it's those, true. Those four Emmys you got there. <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh so you 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 were like yeah so so for some people the thing is when d have you made it because making it is different to everybody sure so uh how many of those did it take for you to realize that you've made it man you had to get, you, had to get four. Now. you got you got greedy you had to get four of them um well so quick story here i'm originally from canada Yes. So originally from Toronto, I was working in Cleveland. It's not easy as a Canadian or any someone from any other country to work in America. A friend of mine got banned for that. So keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a huge process to get an O-1 visa, which is what I was working under for my first several years, which is the alien of extraordinary ability <laughs> visa. That sounds amazing. So, yeah. So... The thing when you have a visa is you can only work for the company who has sponsored your visa. So I could Correct. only work for CBS Cleveland, which was the company that sponsored my visa. That's where I was an entertainment reporter. But I was starting to get offers to do other things, but I couldn't legally do these other jobs. So I reached out to an immigration attorney and said, do you think I could get a green card? And he looks at like my resume basically and goes, hmm, 60% chance. And I go, oh, that's good ish right he goes anything right. over 50 i say we go for it he goes have you uh you know what kind of awards have you won because it's all going to be about like what have you done that you you will be able to take these jobs away from an american so i said well you know i've, I've won some of these awards i've been nominated for an emmy he goes yeah nomination mm, that's okay I said but i'm nominated for two more emmys in like two months he goes if you win an emmy there you've got a really good chance to get this green Wow. So I not only did not only did I win one Emmy that night, I won two Emmys <laughs> that night. And one of them was about a story I did about Gregory Iron, a wrestler out of Cleveland who yes, I... fight having cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I was able to like tie my two passions together, broadcasting and wrestling together and win an Emmy for that. And meant... then you go you go so... into the guy's office with your Emmys slamming them down on the table, <laughs> right? <Yep>. You... <laughs> <laughs> So I'll never forget, I won those two Emmys on a, like a Saturday night in Indianapolis. And that Monday morning emailed the immigration attorney and said, 
You'll never believe it. <laughs> Not only did I win one, I won two. And he goes, let's get that application started and ended up getting my green card. So I don't know if that's a moment where I made it, but that was certainly a moment where someone who had a lot of power over the rest of my career, sitting in some random office in Texas, I believe, <laughs> is looking at my, re my resume and my application for probably like three minutes and going, do we give this guy a green card or not? Mm -hmm. Huh. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment where I went, I've accomplished enough to at least stay here. <laughs> <laughs> that's tremendous. Wow. So that's that was it for me. But what about for you? What's the moment for you where you go? I mean, and we've had a lot of time, as we just discussed over the last mm -hmm. 15 months. What's the moment mm -hmm. for you where you go, huh? I think I've made it. I know exactly when it was, exactly when it was. I got an action figure made of me from Impact Wrestling. My dad had it in his hand, and he said, there's so many people who don't have an action figure themselves. If you don't realize that you've made it by now, then you're crazy. And I go, yep, he's absolutely right. Wow. That was the moment. Because it never dawned, believe it or not, it had never dawned, no one ever said that to me. I had no thought about what the crowning achievement is that would make me feel like I've made it. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'd always made it, but I, I never thought of it. I never thought about it until that day when my dad held the action figure and he said, you know, you've made it, blah, blah, blah. And I go, wow, you know what? He's right. I've, but it's I've also, it. you know, it's also the fact that it's your dad saying that to you. Obviously, mm -hmm. someone that you, you know, have a tremendous amount of love and respect for going, hey, son. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wake up, stupid. You made it. <laughs> How is this action figure not on display behind you? Come on. Uh, actually, actually, uh, it's because I don't have many of them. Obviously, the one that I was oh, talking I about is at my parents' house. Okay. The one I'm talking. This one is actually my second one. This one's from Ring of Honor. The the one I'm talking about. There's a lot of my things that aren't really my things, but you know they kind of belong to me. But my parents won't let them go, so uh, they're they're at their house. Like I've got a couple. You know, I threw the first pitch out. That was amazing, too. When I threw a first pitch out, literally right before I was walking onto the field, all I could think about was, this is what celebrities do. Like, what team What team was it for? I threw the first pitch out for three different teams. The White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, and then the a Farm League. No, no, I did the, uh, the Yankees uh, um, spring training game. And uh, a farm league in Vegas. Man. Yes. And each time, especially the White Sox, they made a jersey for me with my name on it. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I've seen it. My dad won't let it go. <laughs> I I live here in Tampa, Florida. It is not here in my possession uh, because my dad won't let it go. He's got all the jerseys. I love, though, I love that you have the perspective that you have, that you're able to look at these really cool moments in your career and go, that was cool because yeah. there's a lot of people and you know this jay there's a lot of people that have those cool moments to go yeah of course what's next yeah mm-hmm mm -hmm. yeah and it's so sad so sad but yeah i was literally thinking i said to myself and there's been so many times <laughs> there's been so many times where stuff like that is happening and i'm like they, they don't know that I'm just a wrestler. Like, I'm, they think that I'm, like, some big deal. Like, when we had the show in Madison Square Garden, 
for Ring of Honor and mm-hmm. the New Japan Joint Show. Yeah. So first off, I thought the only way to get to Russell and Madison Square Garden, there's two ways. One, you had to work for WWE, yep. or two, you had to fill out a janitor application, <laughs> and then you could say you worked in Madison. Yeah, I worked in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> that was the only two ways, you know. But because my face was on the poster, when I got there the day before, they brought me in. They man, the social media people pulled me aside. Can you film this? Film that? Then somebody came out of nowhere and was like, "I'm going to take you to this room where only a select few people have been, like Mike Tyson, and like they don't let just anybody in this room." I go, "I think they think because I'm on the poster that I'm like a they, I'm they think I'm like a celebrity or something." They rolled out the red carpet. There was like, man, it was incredible. And all I could think was I'm pulling a fast one over these guys because they think that I'm like this big deal. And they're like laying out this, taking me to this room that like Vince McMahon was probably in that room countless times, but not a lot of people because, you know, they don't allow people in that room. you got to be a somebody like, and I was like, this is unreal. But when it comes to Ring of Honor, you are the somebody. This is Yes, yes, but in my head, it's always, I don't know, not to downplay it too much, but I don't know, like, oh, man, it's hard to explain. And then they were, I was like, and then after, you know, they then you got to kind of play the part a little bit. And I was like, yeah, hey, you mind if I get that poster outside when you guys are done with it? I asked if I could have the big poster outside madison square garden and they were like oh yeah no no problem hey get his name get his address down i mean and uh, we'll send it to you as soon as and while she was writing my address down all i could think of was oh my god they just they think like this is this can't be real they think i'm like some big star they're just like what i felt like i could ask them anything and they would just let me have it or do it (laughs) in that moment i remember the lady said oh just so you know because uh, last time we sent it to whatever big hockey player there is, we had hockey here. And he was a little upset because, you know, when when he got the sign, it kind of stinks because you have to remember this sign is outside. And I go, oh, yeah, that won't, that won't, don't worry, that won't be an issue. I'm thinking, please, stop this. That ain't a big deal to me. I don't care if it stinks. So how bad did it smell? It didn't smell bad at all. I don't know what that guy was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like people were pissing on his sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what a, that was like one of the greatest experiences and not to cut you off but no. what made that moment for me what made it was my very first wrestling match ever my dad went my mom she didn't want to go because she thought i was going to get hurt you know eventually my dad tricked her into going then she loved it but my very first wrestling event my dad was there sat in the back watched his son get beat up for like four minutes the match was only four minutes for for the first six years of my career he went to every show that i had even when ring of honor because when i got to ring of honor the the first time i had to drive to the shows but the first time offering me a plane ticket is that we're gonna we have a show in chicago you made the list we're gonna give you a plane ticket i go home and my i told my dad oh ring of honor is gonna fly me and he goes well what about us i go they're not gonna fly you he goes well we'll we'll rent a car we'll drive i said that's 16 hours he said we don't we'll drive let's do it wow i said okay and that became the precedent like no matter where we had to go 
whether it was a 16 hour drive or a two hour drive, my dad went to every show with me. So to have him see me and sometimes Chris, they were the only ones in the crowd. There's been so many shows where like the crowd was my four family members and the wrestlers would work just in front of them. And my parents would like, they would give them the biggest reactions that four people could give, which was so cool at the time. Uh, But so to have him see me in these small VFW halls, my very first match, and now he's in a big press box. Yeah. Looking down, sold out Madison Square Garden, I'm making my entrance with the world. Man, it was that. It is the greatest moment of my life. It's unreal. Unreal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All of what you're describing here sounds like imposter syndrome. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not familiar sure with what imp- imposter syndrome is. No, it's basically the idea of like, I- I'm here, but I don't feel like I belong here. And yes. it's just a matter of time till everybody else figures out that I'm Whoa. not supposed to be here. Okay. So that's wild that you just said that because I have done so many interviews where they asked me about what it was like my first time in ring of honor. Because I was there years ago, and then I went to Impact Wrestling. But my first couple of years there was exactly that. I was terrified that someone was going to come figure out that I don't. I was wrestling with guys like Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, all these legends. I didn't even. There was still training that I still needed to complete. That's why, because my school had closed down, remember? There were still a lot of things that I don't know. When I sat down with a wrestler, I noticed that I wasn't coming up with any idea would lay the whole thing out for me because i wasn't that skilled and i really felt like some somewhere along the way someone thought that i could hang here but i can't and i'm getting exposed at every turn it's just a matter of time before someone says hey what are you doing here and then kick me out that is the that's my whole description of my first like three or four years at ring of honor it was unreal. That's crazy. It's called imposter syndrome. I, yeah. But I mean, I it sounds obviously with what you've accomplished in your career, you've you've come to terms with the fact that, okay, I do belong here. Now, have, yes. 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 And it yes. sounds like it might have taken some time. And that's probably uh, compounded when you go to Impact Wrestling. And when you were in Impact Wrestling, everybody was in Impact Wrestling. That, that roster was stacked. Mm-hmm. How do you mess that up? <laughs> 
That roster was stacked. You're right. Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe. We had this great relationship. We did this, uh, you know, we got brought guys from CMLL and New Japan. They had Okada there for crying out loud. It was unreal, the amount of talent there. And I'm rubbing elbows with all of them. I remember I went, Ric Flair had me come out to the bar with him to drink. I got to hang I mean, out with think Kevin. About, what, think about what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Brush over it like it's nothing. You're right. <laughs> when you came up with the black machismo character, what was the reception originally for that? Okay, so I was I didn't want to do it originally. Mm. Um it was uh, this impression was just something that I was always able to do. And any time being in a locker room where, you know, if it got too quiet, I would just bust out in this Randy Savage thing. And uh, one time, Kevin Nash, he just loved hanging out with the X Division guys. Yeah, there's another. Yeah, Kevin Nash is hanging out with the X Division guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because we laughed at everything he said. I and mean, he had a, like, he's so funny. He's the yeah. funniest. I've ever met in my entire life it's like and this remember, dry sense of humor yes yes. yeah and a lot of there's been so many jokes that he i can't repeat in public but uh i remember one time he said to us you know if if you guys met me when i was in wcw you would hate my guts because there's a lot of stories about he just didn't like the smaller guys well anyway uh he loved hanging out with us and he heard me do the savage voice a few times and he goes yeah, why don't you do that on TV? That's hilarious. And I go, well, no, no, I don't want to do it on TV. My big fear was I would become a joke. This would be funny. Getting in the wrestling business, nobody wants to be the joke. Everybody wants to be that badass world champion. You know, you want to be the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Somewhere along the way, you realize, though, that not everybody can be that badass world champion, that Stone Cold Steve Austin. There is a spot for everybody you just got to figure out what your spot is if you're the funny man you have a role it, it, like there's a place for everybody as long as you realize that because not everybody can be that number one yeah. so he got me to realize that i didn't want to be the funny guy he helped me through that also i didn't want anybody to think that i was making fun of macho man because i idolized him him yeah. and rick flair if it weren't for them i don't think i'd want to be a wrestler yeah so i was like i don't want to be make fun of him so kevin said think of it this way there's nobody talking about the macho man right now if you do this at least people will be talking about him so if if anything you'd be helping him and that logic was like you're right nobody's talking about macho man right now so if i could bring any light to him that would like yeah and then i was like all for it after that so it was all kevin nash's idea then he went to jeff jarrett and jeff loved it i remember them pulling me into the sound stage and they said do your impression and i would do it they would play it back and literally when they played it back i was like whoa that sounds just because i'd never heard it recorded before that sounded just like macho man they got such a big kick out of man it was incredible. And then that character lasted way longer than I thought it was going to last. <laughs> was there ever any pushback from WWE since that was their IP? If it was, never got to me. Huh. Did you ever hear anything from his family? Did they I became, say, what a great impression. I became a great friends with Lanny Poffo. So here's a Macho Man story for you. Uh, I was doing these shows in the Midwest run by a man named Ed Schumann. 
And Ed Schumann, when I did his shows, he kept claiming to me, I know the Macho Man. And he's like, I know him. And I told him about you. And here's his number. He wants you to give him a call. So I go, oh, man, that'd be great. So when I got home, you know, wrestling ribs were a big thing. So I thought I'm going to call this number. Somebody on the other line is going to do a Macho Man. I can't be the only one who can do Macho Man. (laughs) So I never called it. I ended up doing Ed Schumann's show maybe five, six times after that. And every time I would go, he would say, Macho Man said that you never called him. Like, I gave you his number. Call him. I go, yeah, yeah. I get home, didn't call him. So then, like, the fourth time, I go, okay, let me just call him so that Ed Schumann can stop hassling me and I can get this rib over with. They can laugh at me. So I call the number and I explain, you know, Ed Schumann gave me your number. And the guy on the other line kept going, he kept going, is that right? And I go, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. And uh, I've been doing this thing on TV. I don't watch much TV, but uh, Ed showed me on YouTube. Uh, It's pretty good. And I go, yeah, I'm a huge fan of yours. And it's like, this is an honor. Is that right? Well, uh, me and my girl about to go to uh, get something to eat. I got to talk to you later. I go, okay. And that was like, so when I do the next Ed Schumann show, I go, okay. I talked to him. He goes, what did he say? I go, I felt like I was bothering him. I'm waiting for like, ah, ha, ha, we got you. Yeah. And that was it. He never said anything ever again about it. So then like three years later, I meet Lanny Poffo. Someone books me versus Lanny Poffo on a wrestling show. Um, and uh, he's such a cool guy. And at the end of the day, after I wrestled him, I pull him aside. I go, can I ask you something? He goes, yeah. I said, do you know a man named Ed Schumann? He goes, oh, that's Ed Schumann. And as soon as he said that, my heart started pounding so hard. Like, oh, my God, I just, I said, okay, well, Ed Schumann gave me the number to Macho Man. I don't have it anymore. Um, But can you find out if that was really him that I talked to? He goes, yeah, as soon as I get home, I'll I'll, uh, give me your number. I gave him my number. He gave, said, give me your email too. Gave my email. The next day, I had an email from Lanny Poffel. Said, "Yeah, I just talked to my brother. He said he, he talked to you once. He said you only called him once. He said he gave Ed Schumann uh, the number to give to you, and you only called him once. And I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. I found the number, and I called him three more times. But every time the conversation was like." 10 seconds because he he couldn't talk I, he was busy doing and i was so mad you have no idea oh. so, like i just didn't believe that it was him otherwise i would have asked man and then he passed away and you have no idea i man it was all because of people in the wrestling business they play so many ribs and I just thought I was protecting myself against like being made of fun of. Yeah. There's no way to describe Chris, how the, the feeling that I felt when I realized it was him three times I tried to call and he was too busy to talk, but like, I let that opportunity slip through my fingers because I thought it was someone playing a joke on me. It was well, anybody's going to do any sort of impression for a rib. It's, Hulk Hogan or Macho Man. So I completely can understand why you might think that someone was pulling a fast one on you. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it man, when when I said the name Ed Schumann to Lanny, and yeah. he right away goes, oh, before he finished saying, right then and there, I just felt awful that I didn't believe, and I should have believed him. And here's the thing, Ed Schumann, he passed away too. He was a great guy, never played a trick on me. He was always so nice to me. He booked me on his shows at a point where I was having this imposter syndrome. Like he was like, there was no reason not to believe him, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't believe him. What do you wish you could have asked macho man that you didn't ask? Oh man. There were so many things. Uh, So I enjoyed most of his heel stuff as opposed to his good guy stuff. So I would have picked his brain. I wanted to become better at wrestling. What advice do you have? I would have, there was one thing that I tried to do is I, would have wanted him to hear me plan a match and tell me what was good about it. No, don't do this. Why do you do it mm-hmm. like this? Well, and like, because the way his matches came out to me were all when he was a bad guy was so incredible. Like him, there's two people where I watch their matches and I think they're geniuses, him and the others, triple H, like they don't have bad matches the way it's from a wrestler's standpoint, the way it's what we call structured and the way it plans out, it's always to me flawless. Um, so that would have been the main thing I would have asked him. Can you hear me plan this match? And can you tell me what I shouldn't do and what I should like, man. And then I would have asked him all the fan questions. What was it like working with sensational Sherry? I was a big fan of sensational Sherry. I thought she was beautiful. One of my favorite moments uh, was when she interviewed was she, there was a storyline where if warrior won the belt savage wanted a title shot so he sent sensational sherry to ask her if if you win can you give macho man man there was so many like oh man that's was my childhood and bad guy savage there was one thing that i would was super impressed at and i tried to do incorporate little things like that when i was a bad guy so he would make Elizabeth stand in a specific spot. He would like visually point at her, you stand here, you know? But then when things weren't going right in the ring, he would jump out. She'd be standing where he told her to stand, but he was mad that she was standing there. And he would make her stand in a new spot as if like, dude, you told her to stand there. What a <laughs> dick. Yeah. Well, you're like, you're like the worst person in the world. Like, like little things like that. That made you hate him and it wasn't because of what was happening in the ring it was because of what was happening outside the ring and uh man yeah i just i missed the opportunity to talk to him well look i know you're beating yourself up about this but i am not, there's not too many other people in the world whether their profession is wrestler or otherwise who can say they've had any sort of phone call with the macho man randy savage so i think that that's like a badge of honor you should be wearing it, it is. And uh, later on in life, someone explained it like this. Think about all the people who get into basketball. Let's just say because of who got into basketball a long time ago because of Michael Jordan, let's say. Sure. Okay. What are the odds of them becoming a successful basketball player? So slim to none. And then put on top of that, the odds of them getting to work with Michael Jordan, the person who helped shape their love for like, it's like capturing lightning in a bottle. He's, they said, you've captured lightning in a bottle. You've got to be okay with that. And uh, yeah, I am. 
And I mean, it's not just with Macho Man, it's with Ric Flair. Yes, yes. And like, and you're now I, a meme because of this moment with Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Those memes, you know, you know Colt Cabana? Of course, yeah, he was on the show Colt, last week. Colt said to me, could you imagine if you just got 50 cents for every time that meme was viewed? Uh, just just, just a 50 cents. I said, wow, you know what? I didn't think you're right. Dude, half a cent. <laughs> yes, just half a cent. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that meme. I remember people in high school that I hadn't talked to for years texting me the meme. Like, oh, my gosh, this is wild. Was the uh, plan going into that segment that you were going to have the woo off and do what you did? Okay, so no. The if you were to ask me what the scariest moment of my life is, it's not any kind of near death experience because I've never had any near death experiences. There's one time where you know I went through turbulence and the plane was like terrified me, but scariest moment of my life is that segment with Ric Flair, and it's because uh Vince Russo, when I got there, said, and he's you know from New York, bro. I got this great idea. You're going to have interaction with Ric Flair. You got a promo, bro, with Ric Flair. And, of course, little kid me is going, jumping for joy. Yeah. He goes, but the problem is, he goes, bro, Ric Flair won't let us write anything for him. He goes, when a wrestler goes to the ring for a promo, they always have bullet points. They know, but he won't let us even write bullet points. So you got to go to Ric Flair and ask him, what do you want? to do in the promo i go okay so i go to rick flair and i go so we we have an in-ring segment today uh he goes yep i go russo told me to come get with you to go over like what we're gonna what happens in the promo and like it was a movie so i'm standing in his locker room that's important to remember like it sure. was a movie I, I go into his locker room i say this and i go vince russo wants me to get with you to figure out what we're gonna how the promo is gonna go and he stands up, comes near me. He goes, I don't talk about my wrestling promos. I'll see you out there. And he slaps me on the shoulder. Then he walks out of the room. First of all, why are you walking? Like, this is your locker room. Why are you walking out? But it was like a movie. I'll see you out there. Pat. Then he walked out of the room. And in that moment, I kind of was like, is he joking? But, like, I hope yeah. he's not. Because I had been in Impact Wrestling at that point, Chris, for six years. Never have they given me a chance to cut a promo in front of the crowd live on television. I was doing the Macho Man stick. Yeah. So at, at that point, all my promos were filmed in the back in the locker room, yeah. pre-taped. And let's just say they said, okay, in your promo, you're going to say one, two, three. In the Macho Man voice, if I said, okay, one, two, seven, they thought it was funny. They didn't even care that I didn't say one, two, three. <laughs> so I never had to like hit the these marks or like hit these bullet points or like yeah. make sure I say the right thing. I can say anything in the Macho Man voice. And they'd be like, ah, oh, <laughs> one take, you're good. So now from going to that to now live in front of the crowd, live on TV with Ric Flair, it was terrifying. Man, it was the scariest moment of my life. Scariest moment. And literally, we couldn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like nothing was written, nothing was planned. Remember before I went through the curtain, my hands went numb. That's how like nervous I was. And Simon Diamond came up to me, he goes, What? Like you look so scared 
like, what's going on? You look so nervous and scared. I go, I am. He goes, you, what you don't understand, Jay, and maybe this will make you feel better, is you're only in this position because you have this killer Ric Flair impersonation backstage. He loved it so much that he wanted to work with you. That's why this is happening. So don't do, don't go out there and do anything you wouldn't do back here. Just do what you're doing back here because that's why you're in the situation you're in. And that made me feel a little bit better. And I was like, yeah, okay. So then... Did you know you were going to do a Ric Flair impression before that chat with Simon Diamond? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I knew that I had to go out there and pretend to be Ric Flair. Then he was going to come out. And then who knows what was going to happen after that. that. That's all I knew. And that was how we had like four promos together. And every one of them was the same way. Go out there, start doing a Ric Flair impression, and then we'll see what happens. And it's terrifying. It was so terrifying. Wow. But it panned out and I couldn't believe it. But I was so scared because it's like, like I don't want to say the wrong thing and like I don't want to mess up. And Ric Flair's like the best promo guy in the world. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, but it luckily worked, it all worked out. That whole woo off, none of that was planned. It all just happened, which is wild wow <laughs> yeah none of it was planned none what's of the, it what's the best meme you've seen for the woo off the the one where it's like when your dogs when oh. your two dogs are walking and it's just us wooing back and forth at each other that was the that's the best one i've ever seen in oh man <laughs> if i mean if if you could somehow make that an nft you'd be rich oh wow I'm imagine impact wrestling would own yeah. that. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, I, but I impact mean, I wrestling to... should make it an NFT and give you guys a little bit something there. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, that NFT. You're right. I mean, yeah, I that's... don't even know what an NFT is, but uh... <laughs> yeah, but hands down, that's the scariest moment of my life, Chris. Wow, what a story. Yep, and then uh, there's a couple like like we mentioned the. Uh, after one of the days he said come out and have a drink with me and i don't drink much but uh hanging out with him there's so many things that he told me that i can never repeat obviously <laughs> uh but seeing him in the bar he really is a ladies man and the the ladies just love rick flair it's wild um so to see Conrad him in like his describes it as he holds court at the bar <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to describe it that's a good way yeah they just they just they're drawn to him it's wild and i've seen it firsthand they're just drawn to him i mean he oozes charisma he does he does there's a lot of charismatic people in the wrestling business but he is on a completely different level he is and his career is like it's like a new resurgence now too because he's in so many rap videos and there's so many like this it's amazing he's got these car shield commercials this is like life after rick flair but there's no you know you're still rick flair but life yeah. after wrestling for him is pretty sweet gig oh there is there is a large contingent of wrestling fans who have never watched a rick flair match i mean think about it if there's people that are in their 20s or maybe maybe even younger they're aware of who Ric Flair is. They're aware of the significance of him, but they may have never seen a match. You want to, I've never even thought of that. 
There's I, a lot. Not, of, this, never this, thought of them. This is going to blow your mind. There's a lot of people that have never seen a rock match. A lot of people that don't even, you know, the ride to them as an actor. <laughs> right. I can't even begin to imagine that. Wow. That kind of like, it's like, just does not compute, you know? Yeah, How is that possible? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah. If there's someone watching this that's never seen a Jay Lethal match for whatever reason, what match do they need to go look up on YouTube right now? Okay. Well, it, it won't. It won't be on YouTube because Ring of Honor does a pretty good job of making sure. <laughs> okay, they need uh, to seek this out somewhere else. Uh, me versus. Oh, there's three that come to mind. Okay, give us three. Uh, okay, me versus Jay Briscoe when I won the Ring of Honor World Championship. There was a clip of that on YouTube. There is. There's clips of that. Uh, me versus Roderick Strong um for the ring of honor television championship we actually that match went an hour the 60 minute match and wow. then me versus matt taven for the ring of honor world championship and that also went 60 minutes is that the one at madison square garden actually no that one's not at madison square garden uh believe it or not that one is in las vegas uh went 60 minutes i'm i'm proud of the law the, the match in madison square garden um, but I, I don't think when you look at my body, my, my matches and my body of work, it, it's not the like, oh, that you need to watch that match as far as a someone looking to see what is Jay Lethal all about. Yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that match. But I mean, one of the greatest nights of my life, that match. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's those those three. Um, yeah, I, I really think I there's some of everything in there. And the yeah. reason that those I'm picking three, those three is because it's at a time where I realized everything I've done before this, the Macho Man, the Ric Flair, getting to rub elbows with Kevin Nash, all, all that stuff was this great. I should have had to pay money for that. It was a giant learning experience to the person and the wrestler that I am today. I got to learn how to cut promos from Ric Flair. I got to learn in-ring wrestling from Kurt Angle. I wrestled Kurt Angle on pay-per-view. I got to work with him. Like it was the greatest learning experience that I could have gotten to prepare me to be the face and the franchise of a company. Yeah. Uh, and my body of work now is just, man, all that stuff needed to happen so I can get to this point. With as over as Black Machismo was, how did you know it was time to put that away and start to be Jay Lethal again? Uh, I didn't. They they told me it was time. I, I was just having so much fun. And one funny thing comes to mind, because I was like, oh, when does this? And then when it was over, I was like, almost didn't know what to do with myself when they were like, enough with the Black Machismo. Uh, yeah. Raven. Raven had this joke. He goes, Jay, let me, you, you mind if I talk to you for a second? I go, sure. He goes, so the one thing I noticed is your black machismo impression, it's amazing. It's like, man, I can't take my eyes off the screen. I said, yeah. He goes, your Ric Flair impression, spot on. It's, a, it's, a, it's great. Like, I can't think of any other word, but great. I go, yeah. He goes, your Jay Lethal impression, though, needs some work. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Okay. And I agreed with him because I was so good, I thought, at being other people, because I watched yeah. them for years, yeah. that I didn't really know how to be myself. I didn't know what 
Jay Lethal was or who he was. Um, so it took a little while to figure that out. But all the things that came before it helped me figure it out. I just wanted to be a mesh of all the greatest things that I've found to be great about wrestling. And then I realized that's all you're watching from any particular wrestler. You're watching what they feel wrestling should be and what draw drew them to wrestling. They're going to incorporate that heavily into whatever they are doing. So like when you watch me, you're watching a bunch of Ric Flair. You're watching Macho Man, Randy Savage. You're watching some Kurt Angle. You're watching damn near some of every, you're watching some Bret Hart too. Like, Everything that, and depending on if I'm good or bad too, everything that I found great about professional wrestling is is in my matches, um, and the same thing can be said for every wrestler. So, how did you find Jay Lethal how, after being a Macho Man impersonator and a Ric Flair impersonator? How did you find Jay Lethal? Well, uh, he was always in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was always in there. I just didn't know it. And uh, I, I I needed to go through all that other stuff so I could be like, oh, I like this. And, oh, I like some of that. And, oh, I like some of that and some of that. And finally, when I had all those pieces, then I was able to go, okay, this yeah. is lethal. He's all I mean, of these things. And, and your hair was always such a big part of your gimmick. Was it scary for you to take on a very drastically different look? Okay, so you want to know something about? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I had had corn rolls for almost thirteen years straight, um, and the thing about corn rolls is they look good, but after a certain amount of time, they pull your hair out. Mm. So I threw the corn rolls and through my dad's genetics. A combination of both started balding. Uh, so the 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 braids on the side would look super full, but the yeah. braids on the top would look kind of thin. Um, and the the funny thing is, because sometimes I'd let my braids out and have my hair down, um, and I loved doing that. But you would really notice the hair was thinning, so I had to keep the braids in. And I remember one of my friends said to me, "Don't cut it." Don't cut it because I was like, I think I need to cut my hair. He said, Did Hogan ever cut his hair? <laughs> did did that's Macho not Man a great example? <laughs> 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 he said, Did Macho Man or Jake the Snake ever cut their hair? No, they fought the good fight, so keep fighting the good fight. So that's what he would call it fighting the good fight. And I said, Uh, no, I don't think in this day and age I can fight the good fight. <laughs> So I remember going to the barber, I said, cut it. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. I got a great idea. Maybe I could have whoever I'm feuding with, maybe they could beat me down and shave my head. So uh, yeah, that's what we did. I, yeah. um, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't. But there was one day I was getting my hair braided and I was like, this is, not only does it hurt, but it's getting painful because there's so little in the middle that she has to, and then one time my sister was like, well, I can add fake hair to it. And then so I was like, oh, my God, I, I think I need to cut it. I mean, I you rock it. it. You rock this. I love it now. Yeah, I, I didn't love it so much when it first happened. It was it took a while to get used to. But now, oh, my gosh, when I had the braids, Chris, every other every week because I was wrestling so much, I had to get my hair redone. Wow. So think about having 13 years for 13 years. 
at the end of every week, you got to sit down on your butt so your sister can braid your hair. And that takes like three, four hours because she has to undo it. You got to wash it, redo it. Yeah. And it was now in the morning, I go in the shower and then you're done. Yeah. Ready to take on the world. And think of there were a lot of people who did not fight the good fight, like Kurt Angle, for example. So many people. Right, but was he balding? He lost. Yes, his hair. that's the whole reason. Yeah, oh, I didn't. I didn't know. I'd, I'd see. I didn't notice that he was balding. He. I mean, if you go back and watch that hair versus hair match, yeah, he was balding, and he told me wow. that Vince McMahon said, <laughs> I'm "Gonna have to shave your head." <laughs> luckily, luckily, no one came up to me and said that. It would have made me feel awful. I think they just let it happen. Uh, it was luckily my decision, but no, I, I, I. I didn't notice that he was balding. Wow. And I mean, you named Jake the Snake, who uh, pretty publicly had a hair transplant. Yes. So yeah, and he fought it, the good fight in a different way. He did. He did. But you and rock I it. I mean, you you rock it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I I, uh, I look just like my dad. He's hmm. got the bald head. We just we look very much the same. Your dad is a handsome man then. I, th I thank you very much. <laughs> My goodness, this has gone so much longer than I promised you it would go. But it's okay. It's okay. I've had I've, I've had a blast. This the has best been... is when time just goes by. You don't even realize because you, man, the questions are so interesting. The answers are interesting sometimes, and it's okay to travel off of wrestling topics. That's what I love. That is that is the purpose of this show. Is okay. I I mean this my podcast is called Insight because I want to steal your insights and apply them to my own life. And you have so many nuggets of knowledge during this conversation about believing in yourself and chasing after the things that you want and making them a reality that I'm inspired. And I know that everybody listening to this is gonna be super inspired as well. Oh man, thank you. Well, thank you for, uh, for having me on. Uh, this has been so cool, so cool. I can't tell you, I do a bunch of these. Um, Man, and this one, I really feel like, and sorry for the people watching, I feel like this one started as soon as the call, as soon as our video thing connected and I saw you, there was a good minute or two that didn't get recorded. This and I'm like, started, I got to hit record. Let's do this. This, this thing, and I know the deal, right? I, I know like as soon as it starts, they normally say, okay, are you ready? We talked a little bit. You ready? Okay. Okay. And here we hit record. Yeah. I know that that's the deal. I, I didn't think that when, when the camera turned on, we were going, but it's just this natural thing. And you had the Emmys there and like, and then we have like, got all the gear behind you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So did we talk about that or was that all off air? No, you, we talked about that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Like, yeah, this one was, this was so on, on air, <laughs> off air. I end every interview talking about gratitude, Jay, because it's such a huge thing in my life. And I can tell from the stories that you're telling that, you know, you are a very grateful person. So what are three things in your life that you're grateful for as you sit here right now? So, so outside of wrestling can be whatever you want. Three things that you're grateful for today. Okay. Uh, one thing I'm grateful for is that I have a, dream job and by dream job i mean i'm living my dream and getting paid enough to make a living you know i have a house and it's all due to wrestling in this dream job so i'm 
so many people have to go to work and they dread getting up to go to work. They hate it. And for some of them, it's all they can do. It's all they can get. They can't get another job. And man, that is, I, my heart goes out to those people and uh, it makes me feel so sad for them and also appreciative and grateful that I got this dream job and man, I got so lucky. I'm just, I'm just so lucky. Um, another thing I'm grateful for, um, I'm grateful that the fans, I get to wrestle in front of the fans coming up. I mentioned it's like Christmas day. I, I don't openly admit to being jealous of anyone. Um, not too much, but, uh, I was very jealous of my friends at AEW who got to have a big pay-per-view in front of the fans. I couldn't stop looking at the fans. I knew the wrestling was going on, but yeah. believe it or not, when I watched their pay-per-view, I wasn't even looking at the action in the ring. All I could do was keep staring at the fans' reaction because I couldn't wait till I could experience that again, and that's coming up. I'm so grateful that re- the the pandemic didn't end wrestling altogether, and we got the fans coming back. Uh, and the third thing... Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm just grateful uh, to to be alive. It, I mean, I'm, I'm healthy, especially in a business where you know not everybody can say that. Yeah. Um, I've actually only broken one bone in my life. Wow. And I. It was, yeah, I, I broke my left arm. It's the real, really the only bad injury I've ever had in wrestling. I've been very lucky. Never got any teeth knocked out. Um, I've hit my head a few times that every wrestler has, especially when you're learning how to fall back. So uh, I, I'm thankful that I've never been a knock on some wood here. Seriously. <laughs> I will uh, knock as well. Thank you. Injured. Um but yeah, like uh, I'm just grateful for everything. Like I really do think that my wrestling career and my life is like can be described two ways. One, someone won the lottery. I really feel like I would. Some people have a better chance of winning the lottery than they do getting to live everything that I've gotten to live, work with their idols, travel the world, people like got an action figure. And the other way to describe it is if you just go and watch Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, <laughs> uh, I am Charlie. And, uh, and like you mentioned before, sure. You can say that, but you got to have the skills to back it up. Sure. You got to have the skills at the right time. You need those to stay in that position. But I am on the side of the fence where I have been, extremely lucky everything that i've gotten is due i know i have hard work i know i put that in but i think that everything i got is because i just i got lucky and i was in the right place at the right time i really do because and the main reason i think that chris i mentioned to you earlier as a wrestler you can check all the boxes you can have the look you can have the charisma you can talk the talk walk the walk and still never make it but yeah. those people who never make it and check all the boxes they put the hard work in they know how to they, i mean i've seen some great freaking wrestlers yeah never make it yeah and and i i did and it's uh, it's I just, I'm so lucky. I'm lucky. Not yeah, for Emmy's lucky, but I'm lucky. 
we're thankful for the career that you've had. I mean, you're so damn entertaining in the ring. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And so damn entertaining in an interview. This was fantastic. <laughs> My th thank you so much, Jay. Like I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a long time. I look forward to when we can meet in person and do this in person, but this was fantastic and exceeded any expectations I would have. Thank you. I got one question. I, I, I want to question. I asked you a question to end. Uh, so I can't see what kind of setup you have. <laughs> I, this is where you do most of your work. Yeah. Right? So, okay, Unless so we're doing them in person. Yeah. Okay, so you what's on your desk? What's what do you got on your desk that you like you're you know, oh man, this makes my setup complete. This thing on my desk. For me, it's this this here. I've got a bunch of Funko Pops. Ooh. But my Macho Man Funko Pop was the last thing I got and it completed. Like I'm that's when I was like, now my setup is complete. I've got lights and stuff, but yeah, that's not what, this is what makes this is wow. I've got a few Funko Pops here, but this one was the last one I got. It made my collection. Ooh, yeah. My whole setup is now complete. What do you, you got something on my, your desk? So my, I will, I mean, I'm going to break your heart here. My desk is barren. So my what? desk is, is just, it's just equipment. This is, I don't work from this desk other than like recording interviews and maybe, oh. you know, typing on my laptop. Okay. So all I've got here is like a mic and, you know, some notes that I made and, this thing that we got to plug the mic into uh, really? it's all behind me here so okay so we talked about the emmys what is that belt oh wow this was uh this was a gift that was made fandu belts make some of the best replica belts and it's the fandu belt. my podcast used to be called the chris van vliet show so oh wow it is uh you know a custom belt we got the youtube uh no plaque way there logo yeah, there yeah. podcast logo there yeah so a custom belt that was uh yeah i mean it's just a lovely gift that was a gift to you though wow. it was a gift yeah i like that that's amazing thank you but i think the thing that really completes the whole set, the way you just did that by the way what the the, the way you pop the strap <laughs> so that it falls on your shoulder as you, a, that is years of being a wrestling fan yeah. <laughs> yes for real for real i think I mean, that I've, I've given my you know i've won plenty of belts before on indie shows and stuff and my dad i let him hold it i remember i brought the impact wrestling uh the uh x division title and he would like hold it up and the way he he wouldn't put it on his shoulder he wouldn't pop the strap open like it's a it's a thing yeah, you've got to be this big, avid wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. Watch it enough to know. Every you. wrestling fan can do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I, so, all the, you know, a lot of the things behind me here mean a lot to me. So that is uh, that's a building in Cleveland because I used to live in Cleveland. That okay. is the Rogers Center where the Blue Jays play in Toronto. Yep. And I was a season mm -hmm. ticket holder before moving to America. Picture my family and uh, another gift. That was a, that's a bobblehead. Chris Van Bobble, I call him. <laughs> I got this when I was in Cleveland. Chris Van Bobble. And we'll now you and I, we have figures of we'll live forever now. We get to live forever. <laughs> One of a kind right here. Nobody wants <laughs> to. <live. laughs> but Jay, I can't thank you enough. This was so great. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Well, there you go, my friends. Thank you so much for being with us on this one. And a huge thank you to Jay. How fun was that? That story about the woo-off with Ric Flair, 
Unbelievable. And then the story about calling Macho Man Randy Savage, thinking it was a rib, it not actually being a rib. So, so good. So I love that we were able to make this happen. Take a screenshot. Let us know what stood out for you the most. Tag us both on social media. Jay is at the Jay Lethal on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Chris Fanfleet. I'm getting very close to 100,000 followers on Instagram. So if you happen to have Instagram, let's do it. Let's connect on there. I will leave you with the words of Roy T. Bennett, who says, if you want to fly, you have to give up what weighs you down. Be great, be grateful, and we will see you on the next one for some more insight.